Hello, Jay here. If I could ask, could you give us a little five-star rate in Apple Podcasts? Go on, please. It won't take long. You can just do it now. That'd be lovely. And share the podcast. Tell your friends. Appreciate it. And on today's show, we're talking to the awesome life and mind coach, Kyle Daniels. South African Kyle arrived in Phuket six years ago. His journey to Phuket has taken him from living in Cape Flats, which has been referred to as the dumping ground of apartheid, to achieving a degree in psychology and using his own amazing personal transformation for good. Carl has been featured in Men's Health magazine as well as on TED Talks and is an awesome, awesome person. This was a great chat and, as Kyle says, there is greatness inside each of us just waiting to be unlocked and I think Carl might have the keys. I enjoyed this pod. Carl's awesome. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Not here for you, Russell. <laughs> Kyle. Thank you. Kyle Daniels. That's correct. There you go. That's it. I got the name right for a change. It, which That's does a make a change. Two, two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, Kyle, when did you first get to Phuket? In 2017, we actually moved here, my wife and I. Okay. Where from originally? Cape Town, South Africa. And that's where you, you came from, Cape Town, to Phuket. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, my wife is a teacher by profession, so she wanted to explore the possibilities abroad. And kind of said, would you like to do this? And I was like, mm, let's try it out. So I, it was initially a one-year commitment. <laughs> and, you know, from there, just fell in love with this place, yep. with the island life. And, yeah, we're still here. Yeah, that happens quite a lot. <clears throat> yeah. Later. I should explain. So you got in touch with me mm-hmm. after... I did a podcast because you weren't here on that mm-hmm. session because mm-hmm. it was obviously the, one of the most listened to ones because when Russell's not on, they, the viewing, I say viewing mm-hmm. figures. Go through the roof. Figures, I mean, absolutely through the roof. <laughs> um, but that's when we did one on mental health with Mina. Is it Mina? I never get her name. Mila. Mila. Do you know her? Then? I know, yes. Okay. I was a speaker at one of her events. Oh, wow. Okay. Because mm. she was an amazing person and, and to sit mm-hmm. down with her, and it, I, I do, yeah. I, I wish you were there, Russ, because you would have loved her. Uh, and joking aside, she was amazing and she she was very eloquent about everything about mental health and she was very nice to open up to yeah. her issues as well so that was very cool so you listened to that one and you said jay i want to be on mm-hmm. so you're on here we are that's good take it away <laughs> so <coughs> tell us everything <laughs> no but let's find out you, so you grew up in cape town i grew up in cape town yeah um so school there college there yeah. everything there so early years um i mean the first time we really moved abroad was when we made the move to Phuket. And um, you'd never left South Africa Besides before. going to Namibia, which okay. is right next door. So. Right next door yeah. <laughs> um, technically, Where, no. Whereabouts in South Africa are you based? Um, Cape Town, South Africa. Okay. Yeah. So, grew up in Cape Town and it's easy to get, get you know, get stuck in your own little world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, love the place, but there's also no reference point or no comparison that we had because we haven't really traveled. Right. And, Allowing ourselves to explore, to travel, kind of open our minds up to what else exists. And now we were like at a different place, 
or a different position to be able to say, you know what? Actually, Cape Town isn't all that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Do you have I, brothers or sisters? I do. Okay. I do. I have a sister. She actually lives in Seattle. Okay. So they moved. Her family moved down. So they moved prior before you moved? Yeah, about okay. two years before we made the move. Okay. Which I think kind of sparked that, yeah. that, that decision or helped us with that decision to say, you know what? Let's also try this. Yeah. And your current profession mm-hmm. is? So my current profession is I'm a mental performance coach. Okay. Yeah. So before we delve into that, because mm-hmm. that worries me a little bit, because mm-hmm. you're now looking at me like you you're mentally, analyzing me. Because you mentally don't perform. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't performed mentally for a long time. That or sexually. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole nother, that's another topic. We need to get someone else on that. Um, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I would say initially growing up, um, I just wanted to do anything to get out of the hood because I grew up in quite difficult circumstances on the Cape Flats. Um, which is or ranked one of the most violent cities in the world. So where I grew up, all, all I was exposed to was gangsterism, the drug dealer. That was the version of success I was exposed to. But having good parents, um, they always pushed us. and In the other direction. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> always probably stress. <laughs> yeah, make the right decisions. And yeah. that kind of helped my sister and I. Be, my sister being the first person in our entire family, ex- including extended family, to actually graduate from university. It kind of helped us in that particular way because we had fa- parents who created a buffer, whereas I saw the majority of my peers succumb to, you know, the social ills, the difficulties of the Cape Flats, right? Whether it's substance abuse, whether it's gangsterism, or whether just not being able to reach their own potential. Yeah. Uh, uh, forgive me for mm-hmm. asking very simple and maybe illogical questions. As mm-hmm. I look at Russell, because they... You, Cape Flats is that mm-hmm. so you when you say hood can you just okay because I, I grew up in Essex right which uh-huh. is in, in England and growing up is the wrong phrase mm-hmm. to use okay I I was born there and kind of lived my life there a little mm-hmm. bit we didn't never had gang violence mm-hmm. I mean we might have gone down the the coast or down the seafront and had a bit of a fight with a local or which mm-hmm. park was mm-hmm. but it was nothing probably compared to you so just give us a kind of a, a snapshot of what the Cape Flats is like so right now, um, it's still as these. It's very, we, we could say that Cape Town is a tale of two cities. So Cape Town being this beautiful place, the city, the city center, um, and then just on the, outskirt of, the mm-hmm. outskirts of Cape Town, we have where they moved during apartheid, which was the Segregation Act. They moved the people from the more, I would say the more prestigious land to the outskirts. So they basically put them in, they housed them in little communities, and that was basically the fertile ground that allowed many of these gangsterisms or gangsters to start thriving because they were, under, they were underfunded, they weren't looked after. And yeah, so that is in a nutshell what sparked the Cape Flats. So it's predominantly, I would say, black South Africans um, that grow up on the Cape Flats. And obviously it's... It's very difficult because, like, as I mentioned, it's a tale of two cities. So you, even though you have all these beautiful areas, most people don't really see themselves or visit these areas. We have Table Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, I promise you, the vast majority of the people in the Cape Flats don't ever hike up Table Mountain. <laughs> like, never. Um, so that is just the, the lived reality. So they see it, but it doesn't really exist because there's more urgent problems. Poverty being a factor, a major factor. Um, poverty, drugs, and gangsters. Yeah, unemployment. Mm. Unemployment. Yes. And is it gang related? Gang related. Uh, uh, but are the so are the gangs against the gangs, or is it? Mm-hmm. 
So it's the internal gangs against internal gangs yeah. in this one little area. Yeah. So the area is quite big. It's quite large. Um, if I should give you population size, I'll probably if you lying. could, can I have the numbers? Um, I'll probably say I'll probably say maybe a million people that um, live on the Cape Flats, but it's gangs against gangs. The funny thing is about this is more that they they've penetrated the way these people think because you and I will go to school together. We will attend the same school, the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We grow up in the same neighborhood, but then we'll become rival gangsters and I'll end up murdering you, right? Well, yeah, so, well hold on. We've only just... For <laughs> Christ's sake. All right, yeah. easy, tiger. Murder him first. <laughs> Give me a bit of a break. So that is like basically how it goes. So they're fighting over turf. Like this is my area where I'm able to sell drugs or other mm. legal activity goes on there. And that is just the whole nature of it. So I promise you like one, maybe in one kilometer square meter there could be three rival gangs living there and i'm guessing for you growing up you must have had friends like you just said mm-hmm. friends at school that you were close with and good buddies with mm-hmm. that have gone down a different path exactly so exactly. i mean I, do you find that oh, there must be both sides you know friends that you've watched go down the wrong path that mm-hmm. you've lost touch with but i'm also guessing you maybe got friends that went down the wrong path but you still have some connection with so yeah, I have like... It's a difficult balance to hold, isn't it? Yeah, so the thing is, is that as you get older, you obviously... I would say you have to break ties with many people as you grow older because the, there's new priorities in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that you aren't friends anymore, but just it isn't a priority. Life moves on. Yeah, it's a new season, new yeah. season in your life. And I would say that's the na- been the nature of my life. Um, but going back to what you had mentioned, is that... I'd seen a lot of my peers succumb to it, right? Whether it was dropping out of school at an early age, um, aspiring to be a taxi driver. That, that is how they mm. dreamt. And this actually led me down the path to study psychology, going back to your first question. Right? Excellent. Thank <laughs> you for bringing that back. Just, just, I'm glad just, there's one professional here. Yeah, just, but just, just before we move on with that, mm. was there ever a time that, that you could look back, even at a younger age? Actually, can I, how old are you? I, I'm 33. Okay. At a younger age, growing up, was there ever a part of you that, can you see a, a particular moment where you were kind of at that crossroads of, if I make that decision, mm-hmm. I'm going this way? Mm-hmm. So there were many times in my life, personally, where I even reflect back now and I tell my wife, I've been lucky many mm-hmm. times because, I mean, I grew up in this community and many of my friends, like, peer pressure is the norm. And with it is like, Getting just doing something that's wrong. It's not a major crime, but you see how these things happen and yeah. it has a knock-on effect. And then with, I'll give you one example. I remember being in grade nine and one of my best friends at school, we we used to um, we used to like skip school at his place because he lived like just down the road from school. And it was a it was a normal thing. And then what happened is, is that this one day, and at this time, crystal meth became a big thing. He was like, yo, um, he had older friends that um, said that this is the best thing to do. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's not go to school. Let's do it tomorrow. And I was like, mm, yeah, it sounds cool. Let's do it. Each of us had to contribute. Let's say it was 40 baht um, towards this. And I asked my mom for money the night, and she was like, she doesn't have money. And I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't want to do this. I'll go in the morning and tell them I don't want to do it. I did that. And I decided, and you was like, no, stay you can still have like stay and I was like uh, I'll just go to school today and I promise you that's, that's like a, a major decision because it was me him and another two guys and the, all of them 
ended up heavy, deep into substance abuse. Like, even today, he still struggles with heroin. One of the other guys was with us. I saw he passed away last year. I'm not sure about what was the reason of it, but that is just the, yeah. the, the ripple effect it had. Um, and that's why I said there were many moments in my life where I look back and I'm like, hmm, I, I don't know how I made the right decision, but I always just kind of made the right decision. So it was more of a fortuitous subconscious thing rather than an active, no, this is wrong, I'll do it. Exactly. I, I know I always felt like I wanted to make the right decisions because mm. of, I told you, my upbringing, my parents. Yeah. Um, but also you have that as a teenager with peer pressure. So you kind of, you're in between this. And I think that, like I say, I, today I can look back and just be extremely grateful for making those right decisions when I was facing those cross, crossroads. And did you have those conversations with, with your sister sometimes? Um, so not really, because my sister was a bit different to me, whereas I was the type of guy who was always hanging around with the kids in the area. She was more the girl sitting at home and studied, more okay. focused. Okay. So she probably had a bigger view of you know, that there is maybe before you did that there's mm-hmm. a world out there I want to get to. Exactly. Right. She was very ambitious. She used okay. to be my role model growing up. Like that's the person who mm. I kind of said, okay, I need to follow in her footsteps. Okay. She kind of paint, painted the path before me. Which brings <laughs> us sense. back to following the footsteps and leaving the nest and finally coming out yeah. from <laughs> South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and gets why, how and why Phuket as a first port of call? So like I said, um, the agreement my wife and I made because we had just gotten married, like it was less than a month later and we moved here. So she was like, um, would I like to do this? And I was like, I would do it on one condition. We spend a year on a tropical place or a tropical island. There's always been something I wanted to do. And she was like, okay, fine. And she got us jobs and everything. And that's how we made the decision. This was one of the options we had. And I was like, let's do this. So you mentioned psychology mm-hmm. earlier. Um, it's not something when I was growing up that I would ever think about going to Mm -hmm. study or even knew what it was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, a lot older than you, but it wasn't something when you grew up, was it something that was talked about? Not at all. So how did you get into psychology? So I'll, I'll tell you the thing is once again, I believe that, you know, I like to plan my way, what decisions I'm going to make, but sometimes life pushes us, pushes us down a different pathway. And that's been the journey of my life. So I had initially said I want to be an attorney because I saw it as the way out of, the, out of poverty. And when I, after university, I mean, after high school, went to university, they said, oh, unfortunately, there's no space on the program. Um, try again next year. <laughs> but we have psychology available for you. And I'm like, mm, okay, I will, I'll look into this. And I was like, my mom was like, no, you're going to do this. Next year you can switch over. You're not going to stay at home. And I was like, ah, okay, I'll do it. But the thing is, is that I had, I hadn't envisioned psychology. I didn't even know what psychology really was because like I told you, growing up in poverty is not something that's spoken about. Mental health is not even something most people recognize back even today. So, mm. so yeah, so it was, I would say, accidental. And I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love with kind of really understanding what it is, understanding the human mind, understanding human behavior. And I realized that I'd always been applying psychology in my life in a a practical way, trying to, you know, avoid certain confrontations where it was in the hood. Um, So there was always that because, like, as I said, if you're not, the gangsters are the one who's kind of protected. 
I wasn't a gangster. So you always, so growing up, there would be kids, let's just say our age, and their brothers would be gangsters. So yes, if you guys get into a fight or altercation, you might be able to beat him, but you know that he's going to bring his brothers. <laughs> so you need to know how to avoid those, situ- such, those situations. And I think that that had also kind of taught me, oh, you can actually understand people and adapt your behavior accordingly to get an outcome that you want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Russ, go. I've got, I've got nothing. <laughs> no, no. It's just, it's an interesting link between, say, growing up in the environment that you mm-hmm. kind of grew up in um, to then say, okay. And uh, I, I guess for you, it wasn't a case of, well, like you said, it wasn't a case of I wanted to do psychology. I kind mm-hmm. of fell into it. Um, but once you'd fallen into it and got that sort of bug and that understanding, mm-hmm. what was your, what was your drive? For, how did you think you could, what did you want to do with it? Yeah. How, how can I apply so, it? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're welcome. So that actually made me even more interested in the decisions my peers made. Because like I said, I saw how many of them mm-hmm. succumb to the environment. Even smart guys. Like I told you, my best friend, lots of potential came from a great home as well. And I was like, hmm. This really made me want to understand why do teenagers tend to, when they go into adolescence, make the wrong decisions. And I think that was the initial driving force um, that then after I did a postgrad in psychology as well, where I did my research, my thesis on, on adolescence and identity, trying to figure that out. Um, and it provided me with lots of insight that I use today in my career, right? Because even though, you know, when we become teenagers, we start to start developing our own sense of identity, separate from our parents. And this is why peer pressure is such a big thing during adolescence, because now you're trying to figure out who am I as a separate entity to my parents. Before, I saw everything through my, the, the lenses of my parents or my family. Oh, shit. My kids are screwed. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. But then what happens is that... you. It's like trying to find out who are you in this world. You're not even an adult. You're not really a kid, but who are you? And this is a struggle that many, many or the majority of adolescents go through. Do you think that question, because we, uh, of who we are, mm-hmm. I think that question is a very interesting question because mm-hmm. we interviewed uh, <laughs> Malika, 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 have I got that right? Malika, who's a, an amazing belly dancer, singer, and, and, mm-hmm. and she was on the journey to find herself. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, well, have you found it yet? Mm-hmm. And she went, no, I'm still mm-hmm. looking. Mm-hmm. So that question, so do people ever do find themselves or do you think it's just an ongoing journey forever? So I would say that it's not a straight cut answer. What we need to understand is that who we think we are is simply a narrative, right? Based on our experience of life, mm-hmm. our personal story running in our mind, and whether it's our failures we have or our wins. So this carves out how we view our self-identity. Now, you can intentionally or deliberately create who you want to be, ultimately. It's the story of my life. But from that point, saying that, is there a true you? And I think now we're moving into the... Uh, I think that could be a, metaf- a metaphysical question, because how do you know... Who's the true you, right? And I think that that is deeper than just our mind. Oh, our God, body. I shouldn't have asked well, that question. <laughs> well, no, we're, we're, all a, we're all a product of experience to a large uh-huh. degree. Are you a Sam Harris fan? Do you follow Sam Harris at all? 
um, I've heard or oh. I've followed some of his work. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast, uh, whenever it was, um, talking about the concept of self. Mm-hmm. And at what point in our development do we suddenly have an awareness mm-hmm. of the concept of self? Because you're not as a baby going, "Oh, that's me in the mirror." You don't understand me. You just understand the environment and mm-hmm. your, the awareness of shit that's happening around you. It's only at a certain point in our development that we suddenly realize I am an individual, I am an entity. And that's from that point that we're now becoming the product of that experience and that exa- exacerbated awareness, if you like. Mm-hmm. So you're right in that sense. It then becomes and the thing for us now, like for us growing up in terms of look, talking about peer pressure and the, the surrounding elements... For the likes of us growing up as kids, the the peer pressure was very localized. It's kind of around us. Whereas kids growing up today, peer pressure is global. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. So and, and social media is the, the construct of that. It's not mm-hmm. only the peer pressure from what I'm seeing from my friends next door or at school and what they're doing, but it's what I'm seeing around the world from what other people are doing and things that I aspire to be. Oh, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to be like that. And there's so much difference and dichotomy between all of it. Mm-hmm. how do I, where do I as an individual fit into that? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, you know, not just adolescents and teenagers, but I think a lot of people would struggle with that I and do. suddenly have that realization of, hang, hold the phone, who the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. Where am I? What do I want to be? And mm-hmm. where do I fit into, where does that version of me fit into mm-hmm. the world today? Um, yeah, and I agree with you there that there's so many voices today, right? And it has both advantages and disadvantages. And it's about being intentional, perhaps creating some downtime, slowing down. Mm. And I think that's really important in today's world where we, where we are constantly being surrounded by what this person says or what this person does and our mind is just going, right? So it's, I, I think then in that, from that point of view, trying to really get in touch with the more authentic version of you is to slow down. Mm-hmm. And like you said, having greater awareness of who am I reflecting on that? And sometimes the narrative might not even be true. And that's in the case of many people who are struggling with traumatic experiences, right? I'm not saying it's not true. Objectively, you experience that. Mm-hmm. But subjectively, the meaning is not empowering you. And that is also where my work comes in today, where it's more focused on how do we recreate the story that we've been telling ourselves so that we're able to accomplish whatever it is that we want in life. I like you. I don't yeah. understand half the stuff you're saying, <laughs> but I really like you. Yeah. I really do. Um, before we get too deep mm-hmm. into this, I'm going to bring it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You were obviously doing psychology in South Africa. Yes, I was working as a counsellor, but this was at the community organisation. Um, that's what obviously got me involved in like being able to be on the ground. And I, where I worked, or the type of work I did at that time... I would say it was more focused on, or not more focused, was the community organization's main focus was um, core diversions. So people who were first-time offenders, they would be able to come to our organization and this will then count in their favor um, mm-hmm. when they do get tried, let's just say, or maybe they get community hours, but they'll have to come through me and I will do like a report on whether I think they are remorseful, whether they are trying to make a change, so that kind of gave me a foundation of also understanding the real struggles because I had a difficult upbringing, but there's some people who have it even worse. Mm. So yeah, it was, it was, it was um, 
that helped me in that particular way. But life hasn't always been straightforward, right? So I did that. While I was doing that, I also started working on myself because I studied psychology, but like you said, there was still that, um, I still struggle with my own, own personal challenges. One being that when I just did my bachelor's degree and I just finished, I had fallen into a depression. And the reason for this is that I had these big hopes and dreams for what this degree would get me. <laughs> and here I find myself unemployed as a graduate. I didn't even attend my graduation, and which is supposed to be a big win after all the sacrifices I made to get to that point. And I had, I would say the, about maybe a year or a couple of months, I was just like really just feeling sorry for myself, applying for work, things not going my way. And then I just decided to start creating a change. Um, I had started a cleaning business. That was one of it, right? So I, cause I'd always been, I would say a hustler growing up, like when I was at school, making my own money and things. So I started a cleaning business and I also enrolled to do an honors degree in psychology. And then I started volunteering. So I started getting out of my own, my own mind, the story of how I'm in this dark hole. Mm -hmm. That helped, and then what had happened was I realized that because I had a low self-esteem, so like I still wasn't who I wanted to be. And I one day caught myself, I remember going to try, try on a shirt, I wanted to buy a shirt, and um, the shirt was too small. My, my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, I asked her to please get a bigger size. And then she sent back the sales assistant with a bigger size shirt and he came, when he came in the room I felt into the changing room I kind of closed up not intentionally and he was like oh why are you shy and this guy's the same age as me like why are you shy don't be shy and I was like when he left I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like the only reason I'm shy is because I'm overweight and I wasn't happy with it and that kind of sparked you know the change in my fitness where I said I'm going to take this seriously as well, start training. Up until that point, I never really played any sport or anything. Um, and I just started going really hard into fitness. And I, my body changed completely. I was running up mountains. I had people who wanted to start training with me because people were all like, oh my word, you were now this guy, now you're this guy. And um, while still doing the counseling and everything, and this, then I started creating fitness boot camps. And this is just before we came back, moved here at least fitness boot camps and also men's fitness groups where we would run in the mountains, like trail running and just use anything at our disposal to train and get the pump, everybody just pushing each other. So that was that, that was before I moved here. And so when your wife turned around and said, do you know what, Carl, we're gonna move mm -hmm. and you're coming with me. Mm -hmm. And you went, yes boss, because mm -hmm. that's what we all would say yeah, exactly. in that position. Were you worried about what you're gonna do when you came so yeah i was um so when we moved here i was like okay i'll also teach but i was kind of leaving back i felt like i just started getting somewhere in my life i've been in men's health um i started having people want to train with hold me hold, hold on. don't don't just brush over the fat using men's health <laughs> if, if, if you front cover model or yeah. what were you doing in and men's i health? was just i was a double spread yeah so okay. for my fitness journey basically yeah wow that's cool yeah. that's really yeah. impressive mm -hmm. yeah I, dro I dropped like over 20 kilograms I couldn't even pick up 20 kilograms. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Have a week. So, sorry, what does your wife do? She's a, te a teacher. Of? 
So, kids no, so <laughs> teaching stuff. She <laughs> is trained in Montessori um, okay. and psychology as yep. well and early childhood. So right now she she works as a P1 teacher, mm-hmm. so grade one, grade one level. Okay, cool, excellent. And so back to your question. What was it? That she decided, oh, by the way, yeah. we're coming to Phuket. Yeah. Oh com- yeah, sorry, it was a great with. question. I just completely uh-huh. forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> so when your wife said you're coming here, mm-hmm. you were worried about what you're gonna do. Cause like you said, you just done, mm-hmm. you know, you got your fitness stuff up. Mm-hmm. You'd been in men's health, which is a, it's a mm-hmm. hell of a thing. People mm-hmm. don't know men's health magazine. It is a big magazine, especially for men of a certain mm-hmm. age group. Um, so you're very kind to tell me and say, mm-hmm. yeah, no worries, I'll drop everything and let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a difficult decision, but I was like, you know what, let's do it. What What is it to lose? And we did that and I still had the trail running group going, which I let my friend do, um, a close friend of mine. He still has it going today because um, I was only going to go for one year. <laughs> and <Oops>. um, <laughs> yeah, when I got here, I started He's still running. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? I've been doing it for ages. <laughs> yeah, so when I got here, I had my goal was I'm going to start up some fitness camps here as well. So that's what I did actually. I, 2017, yeah? Yeah, 2017. Mm. So at the school I went, I spoke to the headmaster and they were like, yeah, fine, let's do it. And I started running that boot camps for some teachers. Um, they went quite well. Which school? Kajankit. Okay. Yeah. Whereabouts? Which In one? Talang. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I worked there for about two and a half years. Um, and while I was doing that, because I consider myself a high achiever in my, in my early 20s, like I said, I broke out of the depression. I saw the power I had to actually control my, my own narrative, my own life. And from that point onward, it was just like, you know, I would say win after win things. Just you, you go after things and start accomplishing things. And um, it make, made me more confident to step out of my comfort zone. And then I taught while I was teaching. I was also doing the, the camps, like I told you, the fitness camps. And then I started doing some life coaching on the side again, more online. And I think in 2019, I was like, okay, I'm done with teaching right now. I want to go full-time into business. And that is, I left, so I finished with the year, the academic year, and COVID struck. (laughs) And just, and well, prior to that, so you've now decided, you know, I'm going to leave the teaching role, Uh do my own thing as it were. And how was your wife about that? Um, she always supports me. Cool. Yeah. I support her. She supports uh, me. I, don't, I, mean, I don't say it like a, I'm not trying to cast a negative light, mm-hmm. but it's just obviously to, to leave a, mm-hmm. a job yeah. to start your own thing. That's, it's a yeah, big, yeah. that's a big, a big risk, right? That's a big definitely, change. Definitely. 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 But like I speak to her and she always understands that she knows that I'm capable of more. Mm. Right. And that is the reason I went out on my own. But then, like I said, COVID happened <laughs> and it was challenging. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then um, I just figured out, I was like, okay, I need to move this online. And I started then working with lots of professional athletes back home in South Africa. So I saw that on your website. How mm-hmm. did that come about mm-hmm. with you working with athletes? And yeah. what are you doing for them? Mind. Well, it's all mental game, mental performance. So I teach them about how to apply psychology in their everyday life to either enhance their performance in their career Oh, in life. Do you know, when he looks at me, Russell, it really freaks me out. It's like he's looking through my soul <laughs> and read. It's like a matrix. I'm, he's, he's like the matrix. Yeah, and, all yeah. that, and he's reading. You're just code, code, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God, what's he yeah. going to think? He's going to walk out and go, Jay's screwed. He's screwed. <laughs> We're going to win that one. That's a battle I'm not going to take <laughs> up. Um, yeah. Did you have contacts with these? Um, so I had, I knew some. The, one of the cool things is I started a podcast as well. 
So like I said, I need because I had left my job, I needed to find my own way, right? And um, the reason I left initially was because I was doing too many things and I like I couldn't spend eight hours, nine hours at work and then still work in the evenings, yeah. in the mornings. So I was like, so I can focus solely. Then, like I said, obviously COVID happened and as a result, everybody worked from home and I was like, mm, just my luck. <laughs> Because <laughs> that was like two hours. My wife only worked like two hours a day. And I was like, just my life. But anyway, so um, I also started a podcast. And this was actually one of the core lead magnets I had. So I'd invite them on. And because I'm very, I understand people. And I love to um, equip them with tools or techniques that can help them in their everyday life. And that's how people started gravitating saying, okay, I, I would love to work more with you. So that was kind of the core factor of that helped my business initially is that um i would invite them let's, let's let's have a chat and let's do the podcast and yeah that's how so what you're saying there is a podcast is a great way to increase your business so if yep. you're listening right now and you need a podcast then contact me here at <laughs> jay at shark13productions.com and if you'd like to sponsor the podcast contact jay <laughs> shark13productions.com <laughs> are you still doing the podcast or have you um, dropped I've, it now? I've actually put it on hold yeah i put it on hold indefinitely i I've just been too busy to focus on that. Which is a good thing because you use mm. it as a tool to get your business going and, mm -hmm. you know, and it's working for you. Yeah. So tell us now exactly right here, right now in Phuket, what are you actually doing? Okay. So right now I have clients still online. I still have some, some whether it is professional athletes or sports teams that I work with. In Phuket, I am working with some young athletes as well um, to help them obviously with some tools because I see working with adult athletes you actually realize that there's a lot of there's lots of blind spots that they have right and being able to help the younger athletes learn this in advance will be beneficial for them so that's what i've started doing right now and then also just working with some i work with a couple of coaches around here as well and i have some programs for schools um so some international schools that want me to work with their athletes high performance athletes so that so that's the core of Phuket, and I do lots of speaking as well. So speaking at um, some wellness centers, life goal being one of it. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. I'm a lot of just teaching people, just teaching, teaching. And you, I saw you've done TED talks as yeah. well. You've done some cool stuff. Yeah. I've done, I said we all control our narrative at the end of the day. We all control it. Oh God! <laughs> don't be so. Oh. I'll tell you something, Jay. Go on. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. I told something. you. He's made an opinion now. Here it comes out. You've the got thing, issues. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that many people don't understand is that, like I mentioned, we control our narrative, is that, yes, I've done a TED talk, but if I go back to when I told you about just finishing university and I've been unemployed, I'd actually had an, had an opportunity, or I had a scholarship, um, which was a perfect thing to do, mm. a postgraduate scholarship. And I was shortlisted. All I needed to do was to present to a group of, I think it was like 30 executives from like big corporations around South Africa. And there was 30 of us. So each executive will choose one person who they will mentor throughout the scholarship. So it's pay, a paid ride at the university um, in IT and then also working at the company and getting mentored by them. So perfect, perfect opportunity for this person who's been at home feeling like there's nothing out there. One minute presentation. I stood in front of that people. I could not say a word. Mm -hmm. I stuttered. So that actually made me realize that I was 
terrified of public speaking. And that was just another thing that I needed to overcome. And that's what I said, like, I, I, I didn't have, I had many cards stacked against me. But understanding the power of what's the story you're telling yourself and how are you willing to upskill yourself, how are you willing, willing to learn, that has been powerful. I, I went to Toastmasters. I started looking at, oh, I have, I have a low self-esteem. Um, how do I start building that up? And the reason why I was so afraid to speak in front of those people was because I had an inferiority complex. So I saw them all as being better than me, right? And when I was able to kind of start working on myself, I closed that gap. And yeah, and that allowed me to be more confident in my communication. And obviously, like I said, I did some training as well. But I believe anything we want in life, there's usually a skill attached to it. And the best thing about, the best thing about skills is that all skills are learned. So you can learn a skill if you're willing to achieve a thing. No, and that's very true. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. And that's, I hear that a lot from people that are trained. I mean, we've talked to a couple of psychiatrists mm-hmm. um, and they're all like that. They're positive and I've mm-hmm. been through this and I've done this. And, 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 and don't mm-hmm. take this in the wrong way. You've had the training. You, you sent through university, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you, you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like, not so much me, I am put myself in there, but there's other people out there that mm-hmm. might have self-esteem problems, mm-hmm. might think they're fat when they're not fat, mm-hmm. might get knocked down. They don't have exactly the, the, the base that you mm-hmm. have. And also for them to reach out is very difficult. Because mm-hmm. I know when I went through my depression, to reach out to anybody, mm-hmm. except for probably one person who sat over there, mm-hmm. was impossible. And I still mm-hmm. don't reach out to people now. Mm-hmm. So what advice can you give for people that haven't had the training? Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and, and once again, I am not mm-hmm. belittling no, 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 you in no. any way. But just to turn around and say, you've just got to overcome. You've just got yeah. to, you know, push it. So I, I get that what you're saying is it's not just about overcoming, right? Um, and when you're struck, stuck in a, in a difficult place or dark place, there's different ways of thinking about it. First of all, understanding that um, you, you want to, to move to a, a broader scope of vision. So you look mm-hmm. at your problems at the point of being narrowed. That's why you're depressed. Because that's the only thing that's in front of you. And that being that, take some distance, get some space. And is very important to reach out to someone. And I know sometimes it's difficult to reach out to the right people, but start trying to find content that helps you. That's the most important thing. I think the fact that, you know, as we mentioned earlier when we spoke about social media now um, and the peer, the influence it have on us, likewise, peer pressure can be positive and negative. So if you are stuck in a dark place right now, start using peer pressure in a good way. Start looking at who are the people I can follow who can help me feel better about myself, who can help share some techniques or tools that I can start implementing. And it's not to say I'm going to start off sprinting. It's about saying I'm just going to take one step and I'm going to commit to one step for this week. And that's what I would say. Commit to doing one thing, one thing. And it's momentum. (laughs) <laughs> momentum's the nature of the game it's like anything in life the first time you did this podcast I'm sure that you sat there nervous right yeah or, you sat with me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably nervous uh, no no in all fairness it's a very good mm-hmm. point when I started the podcast when we had our first guest I was very nervous mm-hmm. and having guests I still am she the fucking pants off well her. she was beautiful to she, be fair she was yeah. stunning yeah. she was gorgeous but I always get nervous and, and actually when I interview people without Russell because Russell is like my safety blanket when mm-hmm. it comes down to doing these interviews because I, I can always just turn around to him and give him a look and say right I, I need help I need questions mm-hmm. and then I kind of go um, uh, 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 um. <laughs> so do you like tea or coffee uh. <laughs> but 
I, I still get nervous when I'm one-on-one with people and mm-hmm. I always have been. And that's why I always think that when it's come down to job interviews, when it's come down to anything, I'm useless at one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Relationships, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've, I've difficult. I haven't dated anyone for five years since I've been divorced. No, because you're going to say something <laughs> sensible and smart. Because you're overthinking it. You're too yes. much in your mind. I overthink everything. And I know I overthink and, everything. And there's a place for it, right? Overthinking is a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. But Thanks. overthinking also results in anxiety. I, and I have the worst anxiety mm-hmm. ever. All the time. Mm-hmm. And he's stopped nodding because <laughs> he's been saying this for years. So, and I'm not trying to ask for a free session, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask for a free session. Mm-hmm. If I'm overthinking I'll pay for it. <laughs> no, because it, it will ruin everything about me. But that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. And, and this is another thing from my point of view. I know that I'm anxious. I know I overthink mm-hmm. everything. I get worried. As soon as we finish this interview mm-hmm. and as soon as we, we all pack up, I'll be driving home thinking, shit, I should have said this. I should have done mm-hmm. that. I should have been doing, oh, I can't believe it. I hope I haven't upset him. I hope mm-hmm. he didn't take that joke wrong. I hope, you know, mm-hmm. I do that for everything, mm-hmm. for absolutely everything. But then I worry if I stop overthinking, if I stop being anxious, am I going to stop being me? Is it going to, are people then going to, if I'm just become, stop shaking your head, Russell. I'm asking my, my new psychologist over here. Life is a dance, right? And we need to know that, that everything oh, exists on a dancing though. Me Don't too, say that. me too. <laughs> Two left feet. <laughs> but it's, uh, the thing is, is that, you know, everything exists on a spectrum. And all the negative behaviors that people, that people have today, right? At a certain point in their life, it served them. So the fact that you have to overthink right now, that you have an overthinking type of mind, there was a time in your life where that helped you, it served you, it played a powerful role in your life, right? So acknowledge that. Hold on. Oh, 47 years to think about. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of things. One is, and I think as a human construct, we are perhaps more naturally inclined to stick with the negative now maybe this is a, a subconscious animal instinct that you know you know protect mm-hmm. your back you know be on the guard the whole time so when it comes to our our thoughts if we're in a negative cycle and thinking of something negative or bad it's very easy and somewhat comforting to stay in that negative thought because we know how that feels there's an there's a comfort with that sadness and that anxiety and that stress it's awful and it's shit but we feel comfortable in it mm-hmm. to suddenly go on the outside and be positive and no, I can deal with this situation. I can fix this in and of itself brings anxiety because that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And equally when you are in that happy place, mm-hmm. there's always that voice in the back of your mind saying, yeah, we're doing really well, super successful, but the, the, the other side's coming, right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're always kind of aware of that. Mm-hmm. And in terms of your, I was going to say you're absolutely right. Of course you're right. This is what you fucking do for a living. But when you're saying, in, when you're that myopic with this is the problem and all you can see mm-hmm. is the problem, mm-hmm. to be able to just take a breath and step back and broaden your vision mm-hmm. is perhaps the, the, the single best thing you can do. I agree. Because it leads on a path to sort of seeing other avenues and other options and what have you. Mm-hmm. I think part of the issue with changing that narrative, changing that path, is and again it's very easy to bash bash social media but i wonder in terms of the culture that we all live in now is a now fucking now if not yesterday Mm -hmm. culture we all want that now we want Mm -hmm. to be there now and do this now and 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 everything's now 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 Mm -hmm. so when it comes to something like changing our mindset you can't fucking do that i mean you can you can think positive and negatively in the 
in a difference, yes. Mm -hmm. But in terms of a longer term process of getting into a different thought process. So today I, and tomorrow and all this week, my negative thoughts are going to predominate. I have to actively think, no, I need to stop doing that and step back and look at the broader view. That takes effort on my part. Mm -hmm. But like anything, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes and the change takes place. But we live in that now, I want it now culture. I don't have the time. I, it's not working for me now. So it means I'm a failure mm -hmm. because I can't do that. I, I can't make my mind shift in that pattern. It's giving people and showing people that it takes the time and the effort to reach that other place. Does that make sense? It does take time. It does take effort. And I think that what we need to understand is that everything in life comes at a cost, right? And even if you want things now, being impulsive comes at a cost. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what is the cost that you want to pay? And that, that's why I said sometimes you have to take a step back and try to evaluate, you know, am I going to where I want to go? Am I getting the results that I really want? If you, for example, like you mentioned about anxiety and overthinking, overthinking has a place, right? Or not overthinking, but thinking has a place. Um, because what's on the other side of it, right, is being nonchalant. So you, you, there is a place for it, but it's about you setting clear boundaries in place. Like, you know what? After this podcast, I'm not going to overthink it. The podcast is done. Maybe I think about it when I edit, edit the podcast. That's it. If the guest didn't like me or doesn't like me, so be it, right? And it's being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And there's this one important, one important um, I would say, activity that I love to do with my clients, which is to challenge them. Because I believe that adversity is our biggest gift, right? Or challenge is our biggest gift. And being able to deliberately challenge yourself is extremely powerful for your confidence. It's extremely powerful to recreate your narrative and also show you what you're capable of. And as you mentioned earlier about going down the start, the, you know, being comfortable in the, the difficulty mm. or let's say the negativity, right? It's understanding that momentum, momentum has, two, momentum has two sides, negative or positive. And it's about how do you start creating that positive momentum in your life? That is, I, I believe that's it. Because once you start taking it one step and you take another step and take another step, things become easier and better. I'll give you an example. I did a 24-hour run on this weekend at UWC. With Steve. Yeah, yeah. with Steve, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so no, I'm just trying to think why. Well, yeah, that's a better question. Yeah, <laughs> intentional challenges. Okay, right? yeah. so it's about how can you deliberately challenge yourself doing something that's difficult for you? It doesn't have to be difficult for someone else, but for you. And there's power in that because mm -hmm. you start creating. We all have two voices inside of us, but some of us are so tuned into this negative. I've got voice. a lot more than two, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Christ, <laughs> shut up, Mildred. I'm busy. <laughs> So some of us are so tuned into this negative voice yeah. that we don't ever give us the, the positive or the strong voice of chance. Mm -hmm. And it's about saying that we all have this higher and lower self, but it's about being deliberate about building the higher self. And that is gaining the momentum. The negative self is so strong in your life is because it's momentum. Can I, negative momentum. Can I jump in? Because I've mm -hmm. got two particular examples. Because often when we have these sort of discussions, mm -hmm. um, and I use the royal we there, just mm -hmm. not just us, but generally we tend to think of this at a much higher level than it needs to be. When we talk about mm -hmm. changes that we can make to our lives and our mental health and well-being, 
and it's not, I mean, obviously big changes are obviously great, but that's, that comes later down the line. It's more about those, those smaller mm-hmm. kind of wins. Um, an example recently, I went to Cafe Del Mar last Friday mm-hmm. to see a DJ. I, I like the guy's music. I listened to it on Spotify, but the whole thought of driving down to Cafe Del Mar of a late Friday night and being around a bunch of people that were going to be completely drunk up and coked out their mind, which they probably were, didn't really sit well with me. Mm-hmm. So the whole, oh, just going out, can I really be bothered? So there's that straight away the voice in your head saying, no, don't just stay at home, just sit on the sofa, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll chill out. But we went, had a really good time. Didn't stay late, stayed for a little bit, listened to tunes, a little bit of a bop as you do, came home. Yeah, really enjoyed it. But it's that getting over that voice and it, just shut the fuck up. I like this. I want to mm-hmm. go and do this. And you made the point a second ago. You're pointing at me there, Jay. Yeah, I'm pointing at Jay now. Um, so... Well, two things. In terms of challenging yourself, you're making the point about you'll finish the podcast, we'll go home and you're going to be stress, 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 stress about the podcast. And the fear is if, I, if I'm not doing that, I'll stop being me. The challenge isn't to stop stressing over it ad nauseum and that's it. I'm going to go from doing this to doing that instead. It's to just stop stressing for a minute. Mm-hmm. Just quiet your mind for a minute. Or 30 seconds. So I'm just not going to give that podcast or that guest or my idiot co-host a thought for 30 seconds. I'm just going to clear my mind. Now, whether it's going to clear your mind to just drink your cup of coffee or stare off into the distance or do something else is to some degree irrelevant. The challenge was that I'm not going to stress over that podcast for that 30 seconds. And with what I'm doing in that 30 seconds, preferably something enjoyable, which could just be sitting there taking a breath, having a smoke. Um, I was thinking of something else, to be fair. Yeah, I'm fairly confident you were, but 30 seconds was probably too long. Anyway. (laughs) Twice. (laughs) Yeah. But then you're going to come back and go back into stressing about the podcast and editing and all of that and allowing yourself, because like you say, there's, it's not that it's a problem. Mm -hmm. It becomes a problem if it is, that's all you do. Mm -hmm. But now you're back to stressing about the podcast and got to edit it, but also in the back of your mind was, yeah, but, I took a minute off. Mm-hmm. The issue I have, and, and I don't want to make it that I get stressed out about the, the podcast. The issue? No. Singular? My problem Z- is, no, and I totally get what you said. And, and when I went through my challenges, I set myself some new goals. I had singing lessons. I had dance lessons. One went better than the other, that's for sure. And that was just to challenge myself. We did a stand-up show, which I wrote, wrote him into. That was challenging myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I did that and it really helped. And then I, this podcast to set up was a challenge in myself. Now, I totally get both your points saying, you know, take time, you know, just switch your mind off, forget about stressing. The problem is as soon as I do that, I get something else will come in. And that's the issue. If I sit down and say, right, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to listen to everyone. I'm going to go, how many, how many, how many and relax and try to mm-hmm. give myself a minute of not stressing about mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Then something else just goes in the brain. Fine. And that's the point. But, then, when, but that's still stressing. Of course it is. And, but it's accepting it. When we talk about things like meditation as a, uh, as a, what's the, a practice, if you like. The, the visual image you have of meditation is I sit there, close my eyes, going, mm, and I blank my mind out. There's no thoughts. There's no nothing in there. And that's bollocks. Because there is just no way that you can shut your mind off to stop thinking. You're always going to be thinking. Mm-hmm. We all are. There's just nothing we can do about it what we can do about it is become aware of other things 
or be aware of the thought itself. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. You're being really serious and really good. And mm-hmm. all they went, oh, I'm going to think about you naked. That's, <laughs> what, that's exactly what I started thinking about. Like, why am I doing that? That goes back to public speaking. That's mm-hmm. a really good way but that's of... Yeah. How my, but the problem is that's how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Fine. I, it just goes off on random things. And so, the, the, if I may, and you, you actually, this is a good one. You can correct me if I'm wrong in this. I would say allow your brain to go off in different directions. If you're trying to stop it, no, no, don't think about that. Oh, fuck, no, no, don't think about that. Oh, man, I'm thinking, oh, just stop thinking about that. Allow yourself to think it. Well, I'm gonna, can I ask a professional? Mm-hmm. Carl? So, yeah, like um, Russell had mentioned that our mind is always populating thoughts, right? Some constructive, some not. And as an anxious mind, you're used to letting a neutral thought take you down a rabbit hole, right? So it's very important for you to start developing awareness first. Where is this going to take me? It's also very important for you to start determining when are you reaching the red zone, the danger zone that makes you anxious. Oh, can you log into my head now? Okay. <laughs> <sighs> so I'm just, I'm, I'm going to have a Top Gun moment over yeah, here. No, just, I yeah, no, I know. And then um, thirdly, I would say is being able to close those tabs, right? So if that thought populates and you know, oh, I'm thinking about, about work again. Oh, it's not in, at this moment, is this going to serve me? If not, let me close the tab. If it's something important, let me make a note in my journal and I'll get back to it tomorrow when the time is right. I'll give you an example. About two weeks ago, um, I received an email from Supersport. Um, I'm not sure if you can name the... the yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So I had, I had bought some shoes online and I usually wear the same size in this brand. I got the shoes, I put it on, I was in a, rush, in a hurry for training and I left. Then I felt when I was on my way to jump, oh my word, the shoes is actually too small for me. It's too tight for me. Got home, cleaned it up. I put it back in, my, in the box, but the tags have already been cut off. Now, I was like, I'm returning this because, first of all, I've always been buying this brand. And why is the size different? That's why I didn't fit it on. I sent it back and I emailed them. This was before Christmas. I emailed them. And they never. They said they'll, they'll check into it. They'll look into it and they'll get back to me. Then, I think about two weeks ago, I emailed them again. I never heard back from them. And then, it was a Friday evening. I remember, and I received an email. Um, we regret to inform you that because there's no tags and stuff on it, we we can't refund you. Immediately, I became frustrated because the thing is, is that yes, um, I had it on for probably 15 minutes. But I made sure it looked brand new. I didn't, I didn't bend it or anything when I realized. And I was like pretty upset. And immediately I caught myself. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let this destroy my Friday night. Because it's not going to be helpful now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open this email and mark it unread. And I'll get to it on Monday. Right? I had a shower. I blocked it out of my mind. I went on with my day. My day. Monday came. I opened up the email. I said, okay, please let me know how you'll return this product to me. And then they re- replied immediately and they said, sorry, we made a mistake. Um, your refund has already been processed. Just, a, just an example. I could have been angry the entire weekend over this thing. Or I could have said, you know what? I'm going to put this in a box and I'm going to put it aside till the time is right for me to handle and deal with it. No, no, but putting two kids in the box over the weekend is probably not a good <laughs> idea, is it, to be fair? That and the cats. Which then comes back to 
the yeah i'll put it in the box for the weekend or i'm mm-hmm. going to put this in a box for about 10 seconds because either way you're boxing it mm-hmm. you're just talking about degrees of time at that point and like anything if you do it for 10 seconds today it becomes mm-hmm. 20 seconds and then it becomes 30 and all of a sudden you can't put your kids in a box oh, for i weekend. disagree mm-hmm. mate. i've been trying to run training for a stupid marathon and mm-hmm. it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> let me get back to that that i did on the weekend and did you beat Steve? That's all I care about. No, you actually came second place. I what? Yeah. Colonel, mm. can yeah. I ask, you ran for 24 hours. As a team, yeah. as a team so event. So it was Steve, myself, and Wayne. So it was three of us. Um, and we had turns to run. So during the day, night, so started at 9 to 9, 9 a.m. to 9 a.m. the next day. So during the day, we all had 30-minute shifts, which meant that you'll have an hour off. And then come back for another mm. 30 minutes. Thanks for doing the math. Yeah. <laughs> and in the evening, we had longer shifts. We had an hour, hour shift, shift and two hours off. That way, people have more chance Bit to... Bit nap. Yeah. And that's what we did. And then, yeah, it was... The thing is, when we started, the first one, and, I, and it was so hot on Saturday, because you're in the direct sun. And I was like, oh. And the second one, and off it, I was like, how many more do we have to go? I was like, I'm not calculating this. I'm just focusing on the next one. And that's it. Just focus on the next one. Focus and on the next one. That's it. How, how many kilometers did you guys do in 24 hours I, together I, as a team? A team? I'm not sure how many we did as a team. Because you were better? Um, you no. can say it. Steve <laughs> said he did no. about 140 laps-ish. Yeah. Which oh, is you're about just running around the track. Just the track, the track at Tanyapura. Yeah. Do you remember those days? Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've, we've done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. But we walked together three-legged. Three-legged walk. Oh. It yeah. wasn't nice. It was no, there was no niceness about the whole thing. Yeah. But is, do you not find that going off topic a little bit? Is that not boring, running round and round and round? Yep. It's boring, but that's the thing. It's a challenge. Sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. It teaches you how to endure things in life. Tell me, I have to run every night. I hate it. It's the most boring thing in the world. But being able to endure, the thing is, what we don't realize as, as human beings often is the fact that, you know, how you do one thing can often be moved to, or used as a framework for another thing, right? So the fact that I'm able to endure that, that frustration, means that when difficulties does or do happen in my life, I'm able to endure it as well, Right? Because it's the nature of life. We're all going to have the ups and downs. So it's about how do you become more resilient? It's understanding that, oh, to become more resilient, I want to intentionally put myself under pressure or stress that I control. Right? By doing that, now you have, first of all, that voice inside of your head says, oh, I accomplished that. Now it sets a new, what is known in psychology as self-efficacy, which is like a level of confidence or belief that I can do that. So should you challenge me tomorrow or force me, I need to go and run 60 kilometers, I know I can do it. I like you, but I hate you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, we could talk for all day all day yeah. about this. Um, and I would probably, I do want to have more chats with you because mm-hmm. you're a lovely, lovely man. You've got the most calming, beautiful voice ever. And Thank I'm, you. <laughs> and I also hate the fact you're right. That really so, It's okay, me. I get that a lot from him. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Um, if people want to get hold of you for, for either talking about psychology or mm-hmm. sports psychology or just been boot camp or fitness or just want to chat to you because you're a really cool guy, how mm-hmm. do they get hold of you? Um, they, can, they can email me um, at info at coachedsuccess.com. Okay. And we'll put all the links in the descriptions I always point down. Um, Carl, thank you so much. Thank you. I know that we, had our, we were trying to get hold of you at the start or just mm-hmm. the end of the year and it didn't work out I had a few problems and he wasn't around but I'm so pleased we've done this yes, I really cool. am 
This was a Thanks really for having cool me on, chat. guys. No, that's, oh, that's really absolutely it. flown by. <laughs> it really has. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Russell. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the outro. Hello, mate. That was Kyle. That was Kyle. Kyle Daniels. What a lovely chap. I really liked him. I thought when you first I really liked his him. name, he was no, a magician. No, no. Really? Yeah, just don't know why. Because you're thinking of Paul Daniels from the 90s or 80s, I think. <gasps> don't say that. There's a reference. I'm sure the kids of the day will understand that, that who Paul 20, Daniels... That was only 20 years ago. Paul Daniels and Debbie <laughs> McGee. Bless them. <laughs> and Morris Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was Carl. We connected when we did the mental health which we talked about in yes. the podcast obviously when we did the mental health podcast um and we did i did try to get him on last year but i couldn't because of various different reasons i really pleased we got him on what a lovely really guy. pleased lovely guy and i he's i'd like to get him back on and do a, a more specific podcast relating to some of the mental health topics that we have we've done previously um it, yeah no, what a nice guy and i think he would have a lot of good information for people as well he was so calm mm-hmm. beautiful voice and a handsome young man as well don't you just hate that? Yeah. Because yeah. he seemed really nice. Yeah. Hate, hate, people, not, like hate people like that. Disgraceful. Yeah. But no, I really liked him. And, and, and if you are looking for someone to train, mm. especially because, and, and joking aside, I am actually training for a half marathon at the moment. Cool. It was meant to be a full marathon. Mm-hmm. And then we've realized that it's probably it's a long like, fucking way. No, it really is for someone who's only, and I tell you, I ran 6.5 kilometers the other day, last week. That's the longest I've ever ran mm. in my life. We've walked a long way. We've, We've done seventy k together. We've walked a long, but I've way. never run more than that. So running a marathon is in your head. Mm. You'll get to well. You'll sorry, get, that was you'll, my you'll point. You'll get the bulk him. of the way. You get thirty k in, and then it's your head. It's all mental, isn't it? Because even it. when I'm doing the training now, I'm running four k. I'm, like, oh, I'm bored. I'm tired. Oh, I'll just stop now. Mm. I'm, but my physically, I, I know Physi- I could keep you know going. You keep going. Uh, absolutely, it's all in your head. Well, a little bit of legs too, I would argue, but it's, it's all in Bless him. But no, I liked him. He was lovely. Yeah, and he would, he would certainly help you out with a with the program. I might do mm. it. I really might do it because I think I need the help because... I know you need the fucking help. I'm not mentally strong. <laughs> I'm not mentally strong. Yeah. Anyway, that was Carl. Um, go check him out if you he do need any He will certainly assess with your mental performance. A really, really nice guy. I liked him. <laughs> you got anything else for me? Uh, lots, but probably... What's happening at Canine Point Academy, Russ? Well, if you tune into Barcast this week, we have... So yeah, just check the dates. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot of new developments coming for this year, um, a particularly a big and toasty one, which is on this week's podcast. So do tune in. Excellent. Just go to your local pod. Your local? I don't know what I'm doing. Just go to your podcast provider and search Barkcast. There we go. Spelt with a B, obviously. Well, how else would you bit. spell it? Well, the Bark I spelt with a B. That's the true. Cast I spelt with a C. Should we go now? I think we should. Thanks for your time, Russ. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Follow us on Facebook at Jail Shark and Friends, on Twitter at Phuket Podcast, on Instagram at Phuket Podcast. But the best place to go is PhuketPodcast.com. The Jail Shark and Friends and Russell Podcast was created and produced by Shark 13 Productions. If you are looking to start a podcast or would like to learn more about how a podcast can work alongside your current marketing plans, then contact us now at j at shark13productions.com.